If you enjoyed today's podcast, please be sure to share us and subscribe so you don't miss our next show. We'd love to talk with you again. Hello, everyone. That's another week in the books, and I'm happy we all at least survived. If, after a long week of work, you're willing to spend some of your valuable time to listen to my take on the week's events in politics, I thank you and hope you enjoyed today's show. A lot went on, but I'll focus on two items tonight. No labels. No Labels continues to arrange their forces for a possible third-party ticket this year. As the two major parties start to settle down and coalesce into their final forms, their unoriginal, predictable, poisonous final forms, the very trigger for that third-party run seems nigh. The event that would need to happen for No Labels to suit up and take the field is if Donald Trump and Joe Biden are the candidates again. This looks to be happening. This means no labels will need to finalize their Tinder profile and start looking for potential candidates. To that effort, this week, national co-chair Joe Lieberman swiped right on Nikki Haley, saying, if Governor Haley does not succeed in obtaining the Republican nomination for president and she declares any interest in being part of our bipartisan unity ticket, I'm sure the people at no labels would give that the most serious consideration. But obviously, she's not done that because she's an active Republican candidate for president. Smooth, Joe. You shot your shot, lean back. No creeper vibes. You got game. Unfortunately, Haley spokesperson Olivia Perez-Cubas said, Nikki has no interest in no labels. She's happy with the Republican label. Well, based on Haley's performance in Iowa, it seems some of the Republican base are not happy about her using that label. So maybe just leave no labels on red for now, Team Haley. Despite the Haley Camp's reply, No Labels is playing it smart. Sources say they are not saying too much because they don't want to adversely impact the Republican nomination, saying any potential Republican for a No Labels ticket is trying to save the Republican Party from within first before committing themselves to a No Labels unity ticket. That has been their consistent stance from the beginning, and I hope they mean it. With Chris Christie out of the race, fresh off the suspension of his campaign, Joe Lieberman said of the former New Jersey governor, that's the kind of candidate No Labels is looking for. When asked about No Labels in July, however, Christie called its effort a fool's errand. Perhaps now, with his candidacy over, and No Labels significantly more mature as an organization, with increasing access to the coming general election, Chris might be more willing to entertain the offer. Do you really want to deny Trump another term, Christie? Put your candidacy where your mouth is. You are a polarizing figure, no doubt. The electrical charge in the current Republican Party was not kind to your polarity, but I would wager that the independent voter would be far more willing to at least listen to you and the other person being mentioned as a possible candidate, Joe Manchin. The West Virginia Democratic Senator, the perennial thorn in Joe Biden's side, has announced he will not seek re-election for the Senate. I'm sure this pleases his party greatly. They hate him. There is a Joe in New Hampshire for the primaries next week, but it's not Joe Biden, it's Joe Manchin. Why is a lame duck West Virginia senator who has not said he's running for president in the Granite State during its presidential primary doing a, quote, listening tour? He's just randomly curious about the opinions of people in a state he doesn't represent. Did Gene Shaheen or Margaret Hassan, the two Democratic senators from New Hampshire, send him up there on a fact-finding mission? I sincerely doubt that. When asked by an attendee to his first event on the tour, how would you feel if a bunch of Democrats in New Hampshire wrote Joe, not Biden, but wrote in Joe Manchin, Manchin coyly replied, I cannot prevent whatever you want to do. 
to applause from the audience in Manchester, New Hampshire, before insisting that he was not here campaigning. Why don't you just drop your handkerchief and bend over slowly to pick it up while checking to see if we're looking, Senator? Yeah, sure, you're not campaigning. Well, Joe Lieberman slipped his number in your pocket, saying he really deserves most serious consideration from No Labels because he is part of our movement. The former leader of No Labels and former Republican Governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan, stepped down last month from that position. This is not a sign of problems, but rather a necessary step that would free him up to potentially participate in a No Labels ticket. Hogan is considered a moderate Republican, and when he was pushed out of the governor's mansion because of term limits, he enjoyed a 77% approval rating. Hogan's rating was above 70% across all demographic groups except, strangely enough, Republicans, but even there it was 68%. Those are some pretty impressive numbers in this day and age. Imagine a guy like that on stage with Biden and Trump, whose primary arguments for them is that they aren't the other guy. That would be refreshing, to say the least. No label still has a lot of work to do if they want that to happen. People can't vote for you if you're not on the ballot, and that effort is ongoing. Most recently, Maryland was added to the list of states where that has been achieved. No labels has so far obtained ballot access in 14 states. Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Colorado, Florida, Hawaii, Maine, Mississippi, Nevada, North Carolina, Oregon, South Dakota, Utah, and now Maryland. There are 13 more states that have filings in process and people on the ground obtaining signatures to obtain ballot access. Action, folks. That's how you get change. Get involved. Justin Scher, No Label's main state co-chair, said, The majority of us in the middle are hungry for a better choice in this next election and for unifying leadership in the White House that can heal our country's divisions. Are they right? Do you agree? If you disagree, the choice is easy. If four more years of Biden or four more years of Trump sound great to you, you can easily support that. If, however, you don't want them, but you find yourself cornered by a replay of Biden v. Trump, will you have the courage to support this thing you claim to believe in and make your mark next to a no-labels ticket? Only you know the answer to that. The results of the Iowa caucuses are the big news item this week. Donald Trump performed strong with 51% of the vote, garnering 20 delegates, half of the ones up for grabs in the Hawkeye State. Ron DeSantis was able to edge out Nikki Haley for second place, with 21.2% to her 19.1%. This means he earned eight delegates and she seven. It is estimated that it will take 1,215 delegates to secure the Republican nomination. Trump won 98 counties in Iowa, one shy of a clean sweep of the state. In Johnson County, Trump lost to Nikki Haley 1,270 votes to 1,271. So you see here, one vote can make a difference. One person in that county got their middle finger up high towards Trump. Did that do anything to stop his overall win? No. In fact, the 30-point margin over his nearest competitor was a record breaker. Before this primary, the previous record was 12% by Bob Dole in 1996. Bob Dole. Bob Dole. If you're over 40, you might get that lame joke. Vivek Ramaswamy was able to claw out 7.7% in three delegates, despite dropping out of the race and immediately endorsing Trump. Vivek was an interesting candidate. I have never seen such an acerbic but insightful dichotomy in a candidate before. 
He often had interesting and thought-provoking takes on the issues, but was just so abrasive, it affected the delivery and thus the willingness to consider his ideas. At least from my perspective, an opinion that was shared and mentioned by a lot of his detractors, you, the more you saw of him, the less you liked him. It was quite confusing watching him try to claim he was running for the nomination while acting as the loudest cheerleader for Trump on those debate stages. He was crass, rude, and confrontational. You can tell he's never been punched in the face. That is not me supporting physical violence, but as a guy, most guys understand that when you run your mouth in such a blatant, disrespectful manner, sometimes you get punched in the face. Talk shit, get hit is not just a clever rhyme. It's an objective truth about the universe. You can tell who's aware of this reality by how they carry themselves. Unless they're Mike Tyson, they will choose the ferocity of their words based on the subject being addressed out of respect for dude physics. So, Christie's out for now. If he returns that phone call from Joe Lieberman, maybe he's back in. Ramaswamy's out. But he worked too hard cupping Donald Trump's balls for months to not get his reward. There is talk of a vice presidential slot on the Cheeto ticket, but I doubt that. He will likely score a tasty cabinet position in any future administration. There are several people being mentioned as potential Trump running mates. Some of those names are House Representative from New York and current GOP conference chair Elise Stefanik, who is considered the favorite. Trump knows her name, has called her a killer, and she was the first to endorse Trump and will be campaigning in support of him in New Hampshire. In addition to her resume, she's a woman. It matters to some people, and to those people it could tip them in the direction of Trump. She's the one to watch. Ohio Senator J.D. Vance has been a very outspoken supporter of Donald Trump in the Senate, and there is indication his activities have been noted and may be rewarded. Some have suggested Nikki Haley, but she has made it clear she would not be interested in that, and despite her aversion for taking Trump to task on the campaign trail, Trump supporters view her as nothing less than a heretic, and it would most likely strongly reduce his support, not strengthen it. She's not an option at all. With her cold shoulder to no labels, she's all in on the Republican nomination. I respect that. Go big or go home. She will certainly do one of those two things in the coming months. I'm sure Boeing will take her back. Tim Scott's out. Well, as a nominee, yes. But I'm seeing indications that, and will probably have come to pass by the time I drop this episode, I'm running very late, sorry about that, Tim Scott will endorse Donald Trump at a rally in New Hampshire. I have to say I'm very disappointed to hear this. Scott was never in the running, and his evangelical vibe was heavy-handed, in my opinion. But I felt he was an honorable man. This is not the behavior of an honorable man, again, in my opinion. He walked to the crossroads and made a deal with the devil, an orange devil. I'm pretty sure it wasn't so he could play the blues. VP slot? He also checks a demographic. It's unfortunate that that matters, but it would be delusional to deny that it does. He has a resume as a senator, and as mentioned before, a strong Christian conservative body of work that would appeal to the segment of the GOP base. We will hear him speak tonight, but I doubt we will learn this early exactly what he bought with his soul on the Trump ticket. Shame on you, Tim. Asa Hutchinson came in dead last in Iowa with 0.2% behind businessman and pastor Ryan Binkley's 0.7%. When only 191 people in the entire state of Iowa voted for him, Hutchinson said, My message of being a principled Republican with experience and telling the truth about the current frontrunner did not sell in Iowa, and officially ended his campaign. Indeed, principles are in short supply in the GOP field, with DeSantis just a store-brand version of Trump, 
and Haley are returned to corporate puppet Republicans of old, and it appears to be a supply and demand relationship. Trump claims he's the one the Republican voters want, and Iowa is the first real test of that claim. The numbers seem to support him. This is Iowa. I've never been to Iowa, and I may be completely wrong, but my impression of people from Iowa is average, in a respectful, not a derogatory sense, group of folks who love our country and care about core issues like the economy, law and order, and their communities. I thus assume they see what is going on and are rightfully concerned about those same issues, issues that I expect most Americans worry about as well. To see those same good people vote for Trump, the con man, the criminal, the sociopath, means his spell is not broken. I remember 2016. I watched him say everything a certain demographic wanted to hear. I watched them flock to him, entranced, much like Barack Obama supporters did before. Yes, different demographic groups, but the same formula. Identify what a group yearns for, claim to be one of them, and promise to deliver it. It's basic, it's simple, and it works. With Obama, it was hope and change. Great slogan. With Trump, it was make America great again. Great slogan. The first spoke to an embattled left and gave them hope that they could get back on the course that they wanted. The second did basically the same thing, but this time for average conservatives and the more wonky right-wing types. Both men didn't believe the bullshit they were slinging, but they believed, correctly, that the slung bullshit would stick. It did, and they won. The formula still works. Alright, I was reviewing and editing my script for today's show, and at this point I went off on a serious tangent. Yep, I pulled out my trusty, well-worn, portable soapbox and started preaching and smelling my own farts like I'm smart or something. If you're not in the mood for my spoken word treatise on the state of the presidential race, let me leave you with a generic uh, get out there and vote, and I'll talk to you next week. If you want to hear me spit bars on this thing, stick around. Still there? Well, all right. It's not 2016 anymore. Trump is not shiny and new and full of unknown possibilities. He had four years to show us what he is, what he's capable of, and what he wants. He did, and still does. You cannot claim ignorance of the man at this point. If you support him, you support him, not you, not what you care about. Him and his cult of personality, because that is what he supports, and that alone. We're one caucus in. It's not too late to pivot to Trump light in DeSantis or big business shill Haley. At the very least, they aren't actively antagonistic to the very survival of America. They want to at least keep the country going, granted, so they can continue to milk us for more money, but at least they aren't trying to kill the host. As I look at pictures of Iowans pledging allegiance to the flag of the United States of America before voting, I wonder how they square that with a man who has clearly demonstrated a hatred of the same principles ensconced in the words of that pledge. Alright, unsolicited brief trivia break. The Pledge of Allegiance was written in 1892 by a minister, Francis Bellamy, and appeared in Youth's Companion magazine. It was also printed on leaflets distributed to schools at the time. Originally it read, I pledge allegiance to my flag and the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Didn't exactly roll off the tongue. In 1923, it was changed to clear up some perceived ambiguity, and now read, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, 
and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. In 1954, the Pledge of Allegiance went to war against communism and was rewritten to say, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. That'll show those godless pinko commies. When originally conceived, Bellamy and his magazine editor agreed that people saying the pledge should salute the flag using what would become commonly known as the Bellamy salute. This salute bears an uncomfortable resemblance to a Nazi salute, though. Bellamy was first, yes, but with World War II tearing Europe apart and Germans' use of that same high-five gesture, President Roosevelt thought it was time to retire the Bellamy salute and made it law that people should put their right hand over their heart, as they do now. Back to the ranting of yours, truly. People still think Trump cares about us and the things we worry about. He doesn't. He never has. For his part, Joe Biden doesn't care either. His only concern with Trump is that the orange man might evict him from his position. Both men are in complete agreement that you and I and what we care about are not relevant. At the end of the day, it comes down to this essential fact. It's not what it is, it's what it looks like. And for the people of Iowa, at least the 15% of registered Republicans who showed up, Trump is the answer to what ails them. These are the numbers. Yes, the numbers are specious. 15% is not a mandate, but it is a number. To the rest of the people, it looks like Trump speaks for Republicans. Does he? Did the 85% of Iowa Republicans who stayed home agree? Did they disagree? We will never know because they stayed home. They stayed silent. Perhaps they desperately do not want Trump as their candidate and president. But thought is not enough. Action must be taken. Trump supporters took action. They braved the terrible, dangerous conditions to make sure their voices were heard. As a result, they won. If you want to stop that continuing, you better do something about it. This podcast is what I'm doing. Hey, you. Yeah, you. The crackpot. I'm not talking about violence, so go back to your bunker under your parents' house. You and your ilk suck. I'm talking about voting, people. If we do not get involved, if we do not talk to our community about the issues in a respectful manner, of course, not yell in their faces and demonize them personally, if we do not go to the polls and cast our votes, a right given to us by people in the past who risked their very lives to afford that right to themselves and their posterity, that's us, y'all, the narrative, what it looks like, becomes reality, what it is. It doesn't have to be like that. This is not just about Trump. What is happening on the other side, the concerted suppression of opposition to Joe, where am I today, Biden, by the Democratic National Committee, is alarming. It's arguably far more concerning than what we're seeing on the GOP side. The Republican National Committee is just rolling over for Trump. It's bullshit, but it's kind of passive. There are challengers in the Democratic primaries, too, but those dissenting voices are being gagged by the very party itself in collusion with a sitting president. The Democratic National Committee is suppressing democracy. What the actual fuck? If this was happening in another country, we would cry foul. But it's happening right now in ours, out in the open, and the DNC is shameless, indignant even. The New Hampshire primaries are Tuesday. If you are up there and have the right to vote, please exercise it. If you want to stop the Trump train, you have two choices. Are they good choices? In my opinion, for what it's worth? No but better than a second term of the Cheeto. If you're a Democrat, I'm sorry, but your vote has been preemptively silenced by Biden and the DNC. They have stripped the delegates from New Hampshire for not agreeing to a schedule change that Biden wanted, putting South Carolina first. They disenfranchised your whole state. 
Do you think they really care about individuals? Yes, your vote on that side is not fungible. It is not elective currency in and of itself. It could still be worth something, however. Let me explain. Early on in the drama between the DNC and New Hampshire, Biden decided he cared so little about the state that he didn't even apply to be on the ballot, and he isn't. When challenger Dean Phillips came out of the woodwork and started campaigning aggressively, however, suddenly New Hampshire was in play again. Biden and the DNC rushed operatives to the Granite State to stand up an emergency effort to push a write-in campaign where the voters would put Biden's name on the ballot, and it looks like it will make an impact. Biden might still win that state. Think about that for a moment. Here's your event flow. Biden's like, South Carolina likes me better. New Hampshire, step aside and let them go before you. New Hampshire's like, we can't legally do that, sorry. Biden's like, oh, all right, well, we're taking your delegates and I won't even bother to ask to be on your useless ballot. New Hampshire's like, well, that's your choice. And Dean Phillips is like, well, Biden's a loser. I want to be on your ballot. New Hampshire's like, that'll be $1,000, Mr. Phillips, sign here. And then Biden's like, what the fuck? Everybody I just blew off, write me in because your state suddenly matters again. Basically, that's what happened. That is not a healthy relationship with a candidate and the party and their constituents. Biden and the DNC showed you how much they didn't care about you and then asked you to do them a favor. Don't be a loyal side chick. But there's no delegates. Why does Biden care? He cares because imagine how dumb it would look if he lost, even though there are no delegates in play. The DNC has done a really good job suppressing access for the candidates and even their very existence. I'm having a hell of a time trying to find news on them. The DNC has purposefully left the challenges off the ballot entirely in Florida and other states, which automatically gives those delegates to Biden uncontested. That is not a primary. That's a coronation. Now, if Phillips or Williamson could win in New Hampshire, much like if Haley or DeSantis could win there, it challenges the narrative that Trump v. Biden Part 2 is a lock. I certainly don't want a replay of 2020, and two recent polls agree. In a December poll by The Economist in YouGov, 56% did not want Trump to run for president again, and 61% did not want Biden to run again. In a December Associated Press NORC poll, the oh my fucking god please not again numbers were 58% no more Trump and 56% no more Biden. These are not the choices the majority wants. These are the choices that the majority will get in November if y'all don't wake the hell up and start voting now. Unless No Labels takes full advantage of this situation and puts together a strong bipartisan ticket, if we get that bad reboot election, we'll have nobody to blame but ourselves. I hope that doesn't come to pass. America and its people, all of its people, deserve better than what is being shoved down our throats. Are you going to eat this garbage, or are you going to send it back? The choice is yours. Be part of the solution, or be part of the problem. There is no third choice. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take the time to leave a comment here and on Podchaser. It helps us know how we're doing and what topics you'd like to hear in the future. Have a great day.